Welcome to the Youth Voices Connect podcast, an inspiring new platform for young people by young people because your voice matters. Discuss, debate and share your views, your ideas and your perspectives on the things that matter most to you. Welcome to the Town Turnover, brought to you by Youth Voices UK. We're here with Festus Akinbusoe. And he's a future PCC of Bedfordshire. Would you like to explain what your role would be if you were chosen to be the PCC? Yes, of course, uh, Max. Thank you very much for that introduction and for your vote of confidence as well, declaring me to be the future Police and Crime Commissioner uh, for Bedfordshire. There will just be a small thing that is called an election that has to take place before I become that. But I, I take your word as a word of power. Police and Crime Commissioners are elected every four years uh, and their role is quite a vast one in terms of what they do and the reach that they're able to have. It's unlike that of any other elected role in my opinion, even compared to an MP or a councillor. So Police and Crime Commissioners, they oversee the entire police budget uh, and they they don't run the police force, Uh, it is the Chief Constable. Uh, of the policing area who runs the police force. Um, and um, the, in, in Bedfordshire, we have a fantastic chief constable called Gary Forsyth, yeah. uh, who's a very good man. Uh, and he's uh, um, quite, uh, uh, how can I put it, quite ambitious to make sure that in our county, residents are safer. Uh, but police and crime commissioners, um, among their job will be things, like I said, managing the entire police budget, which currently is about 121 million pounds. Uh, the, government, the recent government announcement um, has meant that we are going to have about a, almost £130 million uh, to spend as a force for 2021-22. And that is the highest amount of money we've ever had in our budget for policing. They also have the responsibility for commissioning services for victims of crime, for dealing with early intervention to prevent crime from happening in the first place. They also deal with things like police complaints. Uh, they also um, deal with things like ensuring that different agencies are working together. Yeah. Uh, because one of the problems that we will find, and I'm sure you probably touch on this later on, is that you know something might happen with a young person at school where they're not safe, uh, but somehow the police do not know about it. And then the police come across this child on the streets and then they get arrested mm. without actually understanding the whole story that surrounds why that child, why that young person, is doing what they're doing. So it's called, what we call multi-agency um, safeguarding half of the MASH, as they sometimes refer to. And the Police and Crime Commissioners, part of their job is to make sure that all the different agencies are talking together. So victims and vulnerable people are not falling through the cracks. So it's a big job, but another, I'll just say very quickly, part of another big job that the Police and Crime Commissioners have is to ensure that the local area has the right level of resources to police um, the demands in the area. So working a lot with government ministers, lobbying the Home Office, the Ministry of Justice, the Prime Minister, to make sure that you know the good things that's happening here are being recognised nationally. Cool. That's a good question. So, as the Youth Voices team, Max, Prince, Previously, Chiron and Sky and Aidan, we actually interviewed the outgoing PCC, Holloway, who did some really, really good work um, as part of the 100 conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she was very keen to speak to the Bain community following the George George Floyd incident and the 
Black Lives Matter protests. So there were a lot of things that the team fed back that she did feedback into Gary Forsyth. So I know one of the things I know you wanted to ask a question around. Yes. So youth specifically youth issues. So Prince. Yes. Um, I've wanted to first of all start off with. Um, mm-hmm. So where are you originally from? I was born in Nigeria. Then I came here when I was about 13 years old. So do you think um, that's impact your view on the world maybe and like your maybe philosophies on how to treat young people, you as a foreigner, you as a minority as well, and an immigrant? Do you think that somehow, do you think that somehow has um, impacted you in any way, shape or form? Or do you think if you were born in this country, you would have had the same view of life? Well, I don't know what would have been like if I was born here because I wasn't. So it's very difficult for me to say uh, what would have happened if I was, if I had been rather. But it's inevitable. I mean, uh, early childhood, um, I think between the ages of um, not to six, uh, has a huge influence on um, our character in many ways. Uh, so I spent the early, very early years of my life in Nigeria. Uh, with my, my dad and my mom, uh, you know, they you know they were huge. Uh, they played huge roles in my life. So um, I, there is no doubt that you know my upbringing and my cultural background, all of that, have an impact or have a, have a, an influence on how I see the world and how I see people. Um, do you feel like you know the significance of being the first black PCC and also being a foreign? Um, PCC, do you think that's going to be very impactful? Do you think it's not that big of a deal? Well, you know, I, to be, I try not to think too much about that, mm. you know, because if I do that too much, I then go around potentially identifying myself just as one thing. Okay. But, you know, I am many things. Yes, I'm a black guy, you know, uh, but also I'm a, I'm a dad to young children. I'm a businessman. I'm an employer. Um, I'm an elected representative if, if I win the election, which I hope I do. Um, so I am, there are many, many layers to me, uh, and I'm not defined by just one thing. Um, but, you know, I've heard many people, you know, talk about that, and, and, and I'll leave others to decide the significance of that. But myself, I rather just focus on achieving and excelling at what I do. Uh, and then once you succeed and you're doing great things, then the, the, the record uh, will speak for itself and others can decide how significant one thing is in relation to another but I personally try not to you know, focus too much on that. Right. What made you want to join the police force in the first place? Well, I'm not joining the police force as such. I, um, jo- I'm, I, I am hoping to become the police and crime commissioner because the police and crime commissioner does not work for the, for, the, for the police force. Those are two separate things. The Police and Crime Commissioner actually works for the people. Right. They're there to be the voice of the public when it comes to policing. The police officers, they're the ones in the uniform, they're the ones who are going around safeguarding people, they're the ones who are having to you know, deal with crime and arresting people and so on and so forth. The Police and Crime Commissioner is, to, is the one who's there to make sure that things are being done properly, uh, they're being done the way they should be done, and that the resources are there for the police officers to be successful at what they do. Right, so it's like you have a football manager, and you've got the football players. The football manager doesn't play football, or the chairman of the football club doesn't play football. His or her job is to make sure that they've got the right players, you know, in the, you know, and they've got the right managers in place doing the job. But the manager also makes sure that they've got the money, that's a sponsorship, 
they've got the right deals, they've got all the, they've got the stadium, they've got the facilities there for the football club to win trophies. So that, that is the difference. So the chief constable is like the football manager, uh, whereas the chairman is like the chief, he's like the police and crime commissioner. Right, but I was a police officer, a special constable actually, um, last year. So I was in police uniform, uh, and um, I, you know, I had to ar I arrested people here in Bedford, uh, not too far from here actually. Uh, so <laughs> and and drugs uh, is a big problem. Right. But one of the reasons why I want to do this is because I genuinely believe that we have got a fantastic police force. We've got a great chief constable. We've got some great officers here who really care about their job. I want to make sure that they are able to be successful at what they do because the more successful the police officers are, the more successful we are. Mm. You say they really care about their jobs. I understand that. Any, anyone would really care about their jobs. But firstly, what, do you, what, would you, what would you bring to the table? And secondly, you as a former police officer, did you, did you more care, did you get upset about seeing people being arrested from Bedford and disappointed at that or did you ask yourself why is that happening and did you ask did you ask yourself what could I what what more could I do to help Bedford and other places mm -hmm. yeah very good questions very good questions so to answer the first one about um, what do I bring to the table um, you know I run a business I've got about 50 people working in my company I started running a business about when I was about 22 23 uh, I've been doing that now for a good part of almost 20 years. Can we ask what, and, sorry, can we ask what, because I mean, I've been treated as one of the things, like, what is, what, what yeah. is the business? Well, I run a security company, okay. but I also do a lot of other things. So I do investment properties, I also do, um, I, I do stocks and shares and, you know, uh, and things like that. But the business, effectively, um, what we do, we, I do a lot of the, you know, um, health, you know, secure, uh, the risk management in the cinemas. Uh, when they have counter-terrorism stuff as well, you know, we're advising on that. When they've got a big blockbuster movie coming out, I, my company, we oversee the provision of security to the cinemas. Uh, but my company, I only specialize in cinemas. Really? And I've been doing, so I've been doing that for, yeah, for a long time. But I actually started running a business when I was 16 years old. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. So I've been running a business literally since I, yeah, just after finishing my GCSEs. So you were, you were running a business, but then you then you also then joined the police as a special constable. Yes, because a special constable is a volunteer police officer. You don't get paid as an officer. And the, I mean, I only did about uh, three months last year, but I did about a whole year's. I did more than a year's worth of special special constable's duties in three months because my attitude was this, and the same thing applies in my business. If, you, if I want to employ you as an area manager in my company, because I've got staff working in Scotland, all over England, in Wales as well, I can't be everywhere at the same time, so I have to delegate responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if I want to recruit someone to come in as an area manager to look after the Scotland um, operations, I need to know that you have an understanding of what my staff are going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so I, it would be very unlikely that I would take, bring you in if you've never worked in that kind of environment before because your judgments will not be, uh, for me, in my opinion, it, it, could, it won't be as it, could, it should be. So I decided to sign up as a special constable so I can understand what, what it was like for police officers. Because it is very easy, Max and, and Prince, to see someone do something and say, oh, well, they shouldn't have done that. But if you've never been in their shoes, it's very difficult to be able to get a full understanding. So, and I'm one of these guys who's been stopped in search six times. 
I don't know if you guys have been stopped in search before. Have you? Um, no, I've actually never been. You? How many times? Um, just like once, twice. Once, okay, well, you've got a few years to go. I hope you don't have to go through, but... Other, other, I don't know, when we had the previous discussions, just to let you know, so I think Sky had been stopped and searched, and Chiron had been stopped? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, so I've been stopped and searched six times, right? And that is not always a nice experience, as some of you guys will know, because it's done in public anyway, right? So my attitude is, you know, if I want to, if if I want to um, query why police officers are stopping and searching so many people, so many black people, why there's this disproportionality, why there is this disproportionality of, disproportionality of the use of force, for example, it would be good for me to understand what it's like from both sides. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I can tell you now, it is not as black and white, pardon the pun, as many people think. If you were in uniform, I can almost guarantee that you see things a little bit differently. So that's one of the reasons why I bring to the table. I have the perspective from both sides of the fence. And I think that would help in making me a much better police and crime commissioner. And also my background in running the business as well. Because as a police and crime commissioner, you are effectively running the business side of policing. And that is very, very important. Um, do you think it's mainly black boys and girls that are being searched or do you think it's a, a particular group of people that look a certain way? I don't think it's just black boys and girls. I mean, from my experience, when I was a special constable, I stopped black people, I stopped white people. I, did, I just really care. You know, at the end of the day, if the, if the intelligence that I've received from the control room uh, suggests that, you know, this person might be the person we're looking for, I would want to stop you to have a chat with you. What then tends to happen is that if someone has got something they, they, they're hiding, they'll probably start running away. Mm. You, that kind of gives you a, a clue. If they've got something on them that they don't want you to know, they, they, you'll be able to read, you know, body language. They're all sort of things that you read. Um, but though, if I'm honest, the evidence does suggest that there is a disproportionality issue. Um, nationally, I don't know if you're aware of this, um, some figures that I've seen suggest that nationally a black person is nine times as likely of being stopped compared to a white person, nine times. But in Bedfordshire, that figure is the lowest in the country actually, it's a three times the, the, rate, the rate. But in my view, even if it is twice the rate, it is still too many because if, three, if black people are three times more likely of being stopped and searched, does it then equate that black people are three times more likely to be criminally minded? than white people. And of course, I don't think that's the case at all. So we need to be finding out why this is happening, number one. But secondly, I think the big issue is that when, one thing that I would like to do as a police and crime commission is to make sure that our police officers are doing the searches and the stops properly. Because sometimes, I have to say to you guys, they don't. You know, there are certain procedures that they have to follow that I have been, I have been made aware doesn't happen. And it would be my job as Police and Crime Commissioner if I went to make sure that that does not happen in our county. I don't have an issue with stopping search as long as it's done properly. In a humane manner, not in, not, not in a way, not in a way um, where they're demanding questions of me. And if someone does know their, um, their, their laws, mm -hmm. do, do you wish for that to be properly um, addressed and followed? Absolutely right. You know, that's an important thing. Again, like when I was stopped before, right, uh, that was from when I was between the age of 19 and, no, between the age of 19 and I think 39. So I had it as a, a young man and as an, old, as an older person, 
you know, while I was running the business, I was driving a nice car. I got it when I was driving a banger when I was a young kid, right? Uh, so, I've, you know, it's not like it just happened to me when I was a young man. It's happened to me when I was a full-grown man. You know, I've, you know, I've, you know I'm a, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a big man, but you know what I mean, right? But in every one of those cases, if I knew what I know now, there's no way those officers would get away with just stopping me the way they did. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Because I know what I'm going to be asking them. You know, there are certain procedures that they have to go through. And there are certain rights that I have as a private citizen to go about my business without being disturbed. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean the police can't do their job. They can't do their job. They can't stop me. They have the right to stop me. But I also have certain rights. And I'm not sure if enough people in our county know exactly what their rights are, what they should be asking for. So for example, anytime somebody has been stopped in Bedfordshire, we have a, a, a force policy that the officer must have their body one camera switched on. It protects you, it protects the officer. Yeah. It doesn't always happen, sadly. So if something has gone wrong in that interaction, you can't now go to and say, look, I want to see the video footage because, oh, well, I forgot to switch it on. I'm sure that's not good enough. Right? So that happens on too many occasions and it shouldn't be happening. Another thing that should be happening is that whenever you've been stopped in search, a police officer should always offer you the opportunity to have a record of that stop. But the government brought in those, that law, I think, under Theresa May, that they have to give you a paperwork that shows the name of the officer, why you were stopped, the date, and all of that stuff. It doesn't always happen. Or they can get, ask for your email address, they can email it to you. But I know of people who have told me, in fact, I was speaking to a mum just yesterday who lives in Bedford. And in fact, I'll be having a word, I'll be, I'll be visiting them when I finish uh, this show to, have a, to, to talk with the, the boy. Because the procedures is not always followed. And it'll be my job as a police and crime commissioner to make sure that I work with the chief constable that his officers are doing this properly. Because if they're not, that's a problem. Right. What else would you like to bring to to Bedford, apart from stop and searches? What's, what's your future plan? So let's say if you're elected like eight years in a row, what, what more would you like to bring to the table? I want us to be the best police force in this country in terms of how well we look after victims of crime, in how well we prevent people from becoming victims in the first place, in how well we support communities to back the police. I want us to be the most open and transparent police force in this country. Yeah. So, um, that, and that means, look, information about how our force is performing, that should be readily accessible to you. In terms of if any of you have concerns about your, your mates and the, the path that they're going through, the, the path they're going, you think there's a problem there, you should always have someone that you can go to without being afraid of you being stitched up or you being, you know, seen as a, as a snitch or whatever it is, just what I mean. I don't believe that we should have a county where anyone who's got concerns about the safety of themselves or their child or anyone around them have got nowhere to, to go to turn to. And I want us to be the best at making sure that anyone who needs help can get help so that they don't have to become a victim of crime in Bedfordshire. So just, just to pick up on that, um, previously I heard Festus spoke about multi-agency services mm -hmm. working with uh, what's called a mash form. Mm -hmm. So in somebody, if you had a concern about something that was happening in the community, if there was an issue, um, let's say somebody was involved in drugs or had been stabbed but didn't want to report it, and you know, somebody within the community can actually put in one of those forms, so it's not just a case of services. So it's a way of you reporting something safely 
then that notifies the police and all of the agencies, so um, social services, children's services, adult, adult services as well. So it's and it, not a lot of people, if, if you don't work in services or you're not a police officer, you may not know that, but that is something that's available. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to and then the, and, and, the, and the reality is that, you know, a lot of people do not know about this. You know, people just think that, look, if I, if I ring up the police, they're going to come to my door and start asking me questions. I don't want anyone coming to my, I don't want any officer coming to my house because then the guy next door is going to realize me that called that rang him. So I'm going to just keep quiet. That's what I'm saying. Mm. So we need to have something that everyone in Bedfordshire is aware of that they can, you know, they, they can go to if they want to do that. At the moment, it, yes, it is there. But I don't think enough people know about it, and that is part of the problem. Yeah. Um, obviously, in the last decade, the stock of police officers have gone down in terms of like people have doubted the ability of people have doubted the ability of police officers a lot more. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of racial tension as mm -hmm. well. Do you think the quality of policing has actually gone down, or do you think it's just because of the rise of technology we get to see a lot more things or? Is enough by us people say this. I don't think the quality has gone down. I think the nature of policing has changed dramatically. So somebody who was a police officer um, 20 years ago, for example, and somebody who was a police officer now, totally different world. It's like playing FIFA 2000 compared to playing FIFA 20, whatever you've got now, 21. It doesn't, the, the graphic doesn't even look the same. You can't even compare it, right? And it's, it's just like that. You see what I'm saying? So um, I don't think the quality of the police officers have changed. I think police officers, in my opinion, are quite incredible human beings because honestly, until you've been in their uniform, yeah, and seen what they go through, the abuse that they have to deal with, the assaults. I mean, I had someone in there punch me in the face, you know, when I was trying to arrest them in Luton. You know, I mean, they had to get handled and put in handcuffs and all that, you see what I mean? But the reality is, you know, you, you've got officers now dealing with like some absolutely shocking levels of child abuse, right? The stabbings is gone through the roof, right? The, the, is, that the, across, is that across the county or specifically? Yeah. Bedford and Luton are, are particular, uh, you know, Luton is pretty, is, is, there's some serious issues in Luton, but Bedford is now a big problem. Yeah, because Bedford now we've seen we now seen county lines being exported from Bedford to other parts of the county and it's the country always, as well. It's always been it's it's, it's, it's um yes nah it's, it's always have you yeah sorry um yeah nah it's always been it's always been bad but recently because of COVID it's 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 getting it's getting worse um and it's it's getting worse because because obviously Bedford's getting like too hot in it so. Um, but but, the, but the, one of the reasons why, and we, we don't talk about this enough, and, but I will, and it's, it's all well and good talking about the dealers, right? People are running on the game, on the streets and all that, I get it. But the reality is this, like in business, you don't have a business if you do not have a demand for a product. Yeah? People supply where there's a demand for the, the product. Apple would be out of business if nobody wanted to buy Apple products tomorrow. End of. Yeah. But the reality is that in Bedford, there are a lot of people who are buying drugs. Have you? I'm not just talking about cannabis, but I'm not talking about weed, by the way. I'm talking about like crack, like cocaine, you know, and you know, proper, proper, you know, deep stuff. 
Yeah. Have you ever have you ever asked a drug user or a drug or, or a drug dealer why why they sell? Yeah. And um, what was their answer? The people who were using the drugs, it was well because it just helps me to numb the pain that I feel. Mm. Some one of them um, he had lost his job, uh, went through a divorce, couldn't see his children, and he just went mad. You know in the sense that that was his only way of coping and once you start you know with the drugs it's, it once it becomes part of your system for some people it's just very very difficult if not impossible to come off it they, they become addicted to it mm. the, from the user side i mean the person i'm mean, I used to mentor young offenders in prison as well so one guy he was one i mean i think it was about 15 he was back he's got a long time to go because he he um Robbed someone who robbed him, but he went to rob the person back with a gun. Yeah. So he got that. I mean, actually, it was his mate. You know, the guy robbed him of his drugs. He went to rob him back with a gun this time, but he then got. He got anyway, uh, and I was like, look, why, why, how did you get in here? Then he told me his story and everything. And then you realize that, well, look, you know, lots of issues at home, learning difficulties, um, depression, mental health, um, mom was not in a very stable relationship, you know, different men in and out. Uh, and he, it was just his way of getting money to look after himself. Yeah. yeah. Most of the people that I know or I see, the reason why the, the reason the reason why I know they do it is because um is because it's either mental things, like they're be, they're mm -hmm. being manipulated by not a person but people saying, Oh you ain't got clothes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Their parents like seeing seeing your mum who, who died because abuse goes both ways, but seeing your mum or dad get weighed in, weighed in basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, seeing your mum or dad get weighed in, weighed in like that, and then you think, okay, cool, well, I need to do something about it. Yeah. Or um, or maybe um, the the, the mum or dad isn't always there, you know. Um, so so have you have you or any other people have you heard other people had conversations with people about how you could change it, how you could help them. Because this is what our project is about. This is about how, how we could help them and change them yeah. and um, give them an opportunity other than road. I mean, I've got to say that, first of all, you know, I've had one of this really unfortunate experience of knowing one or two people who have been, you know, killed. Um, you know, I, I grew up, I was, I, when I came from Nigeria, I, I was in London. And I came out, I moved out of London when I was in my early, early 20s. And one of the young men that I used to, you know, we used to go to church with, to mentor, I mean, he got bit there with a chain, right? Um, and you know, I still think about him now, I mean, even though it was a long time ago. So we've got to understand that there are two sides to this story and the parents of those kids who are stabbed to death or who are beaten to death or whatever it is that happened to them on the road and all that, they have to live with that consequence, that, that thought for the rest of their lives. Because every time some next kid is like getting graduated or it's, oh yeah, that's, you know, Shaquan's friend, yeah. you know, Shaquan, you know, he's now getting married, you know, if Shaquan was there, he could have been his best man. Yeah. They have to live with that the whole, the whole, that's why I'm, I'm not one of these guys, yes, we've got to help the, the people who are doing this stuff, they need help, but there is a point where you're like, you know, once you cross a certain line, you've got to be dealt with by the law. Mm. Uh, that's just, to, that's just the way I say it because you've got to have justice for the parents and the family of that kid or that person that's been, yeah. So that's one side. But the other side is this. 
I certainly want to make sure, want to make sure that we've got a lot more early intervention programs in place for young people to divert them away from the life of crime. I don't think anyone is born into the life, anyone is born to be a criminal. Circumstances often lead people down that path. So I, I would like to see, for example, uh, exchanges in schools where young people are having more contact with people who can help them. Number one, I want to make sure that we've got a lot more um, support services for young people. So like activities like this, like you guys are doing here, I think it's great. You know, it's really, it's really great. Um, one thing I announced as well is um, if I win the election, I'm going to create internships in my office so that young people, if they want to get work experience... In your office, in your company? As, no, 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 of the Police and Crime Commissioner. So I've, I've said I'm going to create four internships in each of the three local authorities in Bedfordshire, so that'll be 12 in total, where you're going to be able to come to work um, on, for a month. You're going to be paid, by the way. Don't want you to be free, man. You'll be good. You get paid, you get money, you get money. Right, it won't be free. Um, and you will be able you, but for you to come to work in the office, you have to uh, put in a, 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 a proposal of a project that you would like to work on, you know, to help young people like yourself. And then if you, your, your, your project is, is approved, you come to the office, you do a work for a month, you're gonna have a mentoring from within the office who are experienced in delivering projects, okay, to a very, very high standard. That helps with your CV, that helps with you know future work prospects. Hundred. All right. So that's one opportunity. Uh, but that's one thing. Another thing that I've announced is that I'm going to create a pathway for parents and guardians working with you know of young people, so that if anyone, any parent in this county or any guardian of young people has any concern whatsoever, they can pick up a phone or send an email and they can have a chat with someone and say, look, I'm concerned about this, and they will not be afraid of social services or the police taking the kids away from them. Because that is a problem as well. Just, I think, be a good time to talk about the town turnover and oh, what yeah. we're, we're trying to do. Exactly, just to kind of pick up on, um, you know, county lines and what's going on in the town and actually being able to hear those people's stories. So there's a, a youth worker who does detached outreach work. I'm actually hearing those stories and a lot, a lot of the things to the town turnover and the project, which is the idea of the Youth Voices team, Chiron, who's not here. And I'm gonna leave, hand over to you guys to explain what the town turnover is. And Tell me about it. So basically what we wanna do, as the name suggests, is mm -hmm. turn over the town and change the perception of Bedford and make it a beacon where you can stay there for a very long time instead of thinking like oh I need to get out of here mm -hmm. I'm not proud to be bed 40 and or whatever and I we want to do that by making things like documentaries to help people from the outside even know what it's like to be someone from Bedford like in some of the areas that are a little bit deprived in Bedford mm -hmm. and also make them feel like more empowered about themselves and that what do you think Max? Um, well, my end goal for this whole project is not is to start off in Bedford. So there's 15 wards, I think, in Bedford, mm -hmm. yes. and um, we're starting off with five. So Bedford has a lot of rich history, but it's not really shown because it's it's, it's clouded by a lot of by a lot of um, drug abuse, not just drug abuse, abuse, physical, mental, um, in schools, out schools, at home, and a lot of gang violence. 
to basically clear up that image, what we want to do is we want to bring beauty to the town. See Premen Street, that's basically like the entrance to Bedford. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't look nice. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, didn't always, it, it did not always used to look like that. It wasn't always like that. So then, why? So, so, we, so, make, maintain it, make it look nice. You know, make it, mm-hmm. make it look better. Bring it, bring it back to life. Bedford, we're not. Our project is not just focusing on on gang crime, knife violence, whatever, uh, violence, whatever. We're focusing on people, the people of Bedford. Can I? The, the, the young, the young people, people of Bedford. So just, just to be clear, this is a project. It is the team's idea. I've just facilitated the, the, the proposal to go in, but they will actually be delivering and leading the, the project as project leaders and then uh, liaising with what, what we refer to as town centre champions should we be successful in the third mm. days on Saturday vote right. So the idea is that every single young person who wants an opportunity to get, to get involved in the project, to share their story right. in their own words, can be involved in some way. Mm. And then we'll follow on from the short film and documentary with employability workshops. So we, we love what you're saying about doing, do, doing internships within the, the PCC office. Yeah. That's obviously, people need opportunities to cry out for that. But what they've suggested is actually going out to local businesses and speaking to them, because there have been so many young people during COVID who have actually set up businesses mm-hmm. and actually doing workshops, Q&A, maybe a Dragon-style den type, is it like Dragon's Den? Dragon's Den. Dragon's den type event coordinating in a community arts meal. But the point is we want every single young person to have something to do because there's Yeah, I I did like a talent show midway through COVID. Alright. But um How did that go? It was alright but some people cheated so I was like nah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did like a talent show, you know, put it on my snap. It got yeah it got a lot of quite a notoriety. But um but yeah, yes, to, yes, to make to make Bedford as a whole a better place and a nicer place, and then when we when we actually cool, we got Bedford like sorted. I want to I want to make it bigger. I want to move it. I want to I want to like progress it because it can't just stay here. Like, you know, one thing that I think is really important to bear in mind, and I will just make as a suggestion to you, is that you know in life, the things that we talk about the most. Could potentially manifest itself as the reality that we see all the time, and my concern is that when we are talking about young people uh, and we talk about just drugs and gangs all the time, it could create the impression that the only thing that kid, young people are interested in or aware of is making money and drugs and gangs, and that is their life, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. I would love to see a situation where more of our young people are coming into contact with, you know, other people that look like them, that sound like them, who are doing amazing things in yeah. life, right? Um, and and I can tell you now that there are. I, I, so I get people send me messages once in a while. So, oh, Festus, I never knew there was a black guy who was doing blah 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 blah. And I'm saying to myself, I can't tell them this. I hope they're not listening. Where have you been looking? Because there are lots of black guys that I know of who are, you know, working in the city of London, who are working in the banks, you know, who are, who owns, who are running stuff. Yeah. And they're doing great stuff, but you don't hear about them, but they are there. They yeah. The lo- so just, just yeah. to pick you up on that, because one of the things that we wanted to do, so the funding that we're bidding for is a 
beneficial police funds mm -hmm. and it is for the community to come up with um, um, ideas, initiatives to, that can impact the issues with serious youth violence. So where you say around the messaging, what, what you're, you're constantly being fed, like you can manifest. So what we said, what we didn't want to do within the, the short film documentary is, yes, we know that this is an issue in Bedford, but we're not leading with that. What we want to do is talk about solutions and the things that are relevant to people in each of those wards. So if they then decide that that is life crime, then that's what the documentary mm -hmm. would be about. So mm -hmm. just... So. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, like the, like the young men that I mentored in prison, there was about three or four of them. When you ask them what have the, in fact, the, the reason why I was doing this was because it was around parenting, because it was a, a course for young men who were parents in prison. So, you know, this 14 year old boy that I was talking, he had a child, all right, um, that he's never seen. Uh, and so he's going to be going out in a couple of um, years' time, and I was, it was about trying to prepare them for what life is going to be like as a father. And so I started asking them, what is your reality of what it means to be a parent? They had no clue. Because they'd never seen anyone who actually went to a proper job. They'd never seen anyone who ever ran a business. They'd never seen anyone who, um, all they ever know, all they ever knew their whole lives were people who were on the road. It's just youth having youth, that's what it is. It's like, it's just stupidness. I see, I see, fam, I can't even speak on the people that I've seen doing, doing whatever. Cause, because, yeah. because it's like, if I speak on it, <laughs> it, will, it firstly, Firstly, it will annoy me. Firstly, secondly, it will annoy okay. people, and 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 it's like and and me personally, I can't I can't roll with people that ain't, haven't got the same isn't on the same wave as me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I hasn't, I hasn't got the same like um, mindset. mindset, thought process, mm -hmm. so, like motivate, motivating yourself, doing something with yourself. I do hands to the devil's work. That's what I've always been told by my yeah. grandma, my mum, my family. Yeah. Um, and and for a time, for a time, I just thought that was rubbish. I let that fly over my head, but I, I had to bring myself back and bring myself back to reality. That's why I'm here. And you know, that's a good thing because I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, I had friends who went to prison, right? And I went to see some of them. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. You know, it's just what it is. You know, I had friends who were you know who were deep in the game when I was growing up in London. You know, some of the stuff that some of them did, I don't even know how they got away with it, right? But it was that was just. I mean, we lived. It was a council estate. You know, it was kind of run down, you know, life was kind of hard, but my pops, he had like three jobs. That's what he had to do to make ends meet for, you know, my family, do you see what I mean? You know, so I was kind of, I was lucky that way, but I'm gonna lie if I, I'm gonna lie if I said to you that I didn't have the temptations. Do you see what I mean? I'm gonna lie if I didn't have the temptation because it was there because these guys, I remember one of them rolling up in some nice car and I was still catching London Underground. And you know, you, you're gonna go to a club, and then your friend, you're gonna go clubbing, and your friend's gonna be like, so how are you getting there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'll see you when you get there. You know, that is kind of tempting, but at the end of the day, I've, I've learned now that if you make the decisions now for your tomorrow, it will be better. If you're willing to sacrifice today for your tomorrow, you're more likely to get a, a, a better reward. But if everything you do is just about now, 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 you've got to be very, very careful about it because the dangers, there are dangers around that. And so this is why I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. It really is quite an amazing um, thing you're doing. 
and and the uh, and and I think the 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 future is very very bright for both of you. I really think so. Thank you. I want to share something with you. So one of the questions that I ask everybody who wants to work on the team, <laughs> I hope you guys remember it. But it's a question that I always ask every single young person that I work with, and the team have answered this, and we will incorporate into the town turnover project. What is the question? What's your vision and impact? So what is the vision and impact that you want to create on the world? So for me, it's a very different question. What is your, what is your initiative to solving knife crime? It's like, no, 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 we're asking, what is the vision and impact that you want to create on the world, hence turning the town over? Right. How would you turn over the town? Is that asking me? Yeah. How would I turn over this town? I'm a big believer in the fact, in the idea of focusing on positive stuff. Right. Yes, we, yeah, the, the drugs and the addiction and all that, I've seen it, I, I know it exists. Just like I know that racism exists, mm. right? But if I focus my attention on racism, right? I, I for me personally, I will struggle to be able to um, achieve what I want to achieve because I want to achieve what I want to achieve despite of, your race. of my race, right? So if I was going to do the, the town turnover, I want to be focusing on the positive stuff and just hammer that around so that our young people know that, you know what? Yes, you might have that temptation, but here's Max. Here's Prince. Look at what they're doing. You're not stupid. I'll leave that for you to figure out. Well, Here's Vanessa. She, this, oh yeah, you think you've got it hard? Listen to her story. Oh, you think you've got it hard? Yeah, okay, here's Festus. All right, fine. So, if we're doing this now, all right, so you're, maybe you're not as special as you think. Maybe your life is not so impossible for you as you think, but right now, that's how it feels. See, because unless you give people a contrast to choose from, where are they going to go? This is what I'm saying. So, what, the way that I will turn down, turn the, turn, uh, the town around, turn, turn it over. The, the town turnover. The way that I will do the, the town turnover will be to just focus, focus on the positive. Because I'm telling you guys, there is power in positivity. There is so much, it is just as infectious, if no more, than COVID. Right? So let people see the positive, let them people see the good stuff that you guys are doing. Let them see the, you know, the barriers that you've had to overcome. Because yeah. if they don't see that, they're going to think that whatever they're going through, nobody else has been there. So they've got an excuse for doing what they're doing. So my thing is, just focus on the positives, man. Focus on the positives. Well, this has been the Town Turnover, brought to you by Deep Voices UK, with Festus, Prince and Vanessa, myself obviously. This has been mad. It's wonderful, beautiful. A strong word to positivity and a lot of a lot of good vibes coming to you. So it's been your host, Max. Prince. Prince. Yeah, I just really want to say thank you to Festo for coming, taking your time out of your busy schedule to come here and answer our questions and talk about your views and I really hope you win. I really do mean that and Thanks man. Yeah, bless you. Cool. So, the Town Turnover and Youth Voices Connect podcast are rooting for Festus to be the next PCC for Bedfordshire. That's big. Yeah. Well, have a day.
the video, okay? Alright. <laughs> I even asked anything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, thank you very much for that.